Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 50 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. This is the Big 5-0. Now, on this week's show, I'm on my own. Um, Ayaz Sumer has gone MIA. He's disappeared off the face of the earth. Now, a lot of people that listen to this show regularly will know that it's not the first time he's done that. He just disappears, and um, no one seems to know where he is. And uh, that's basically what's happened again here. So I'm a bit disappointed about that. I'm a bit sad this week because uh, it's a big, it's a big fifty. You know, it's it's number five zero. We've had a lot of guests on, and I really thought we could do something special on this week's show. But there's no Aya Summer, so we got off to a bit of a bad start. And also, I apologise that the, the, this week's show was coming out on the Thursday rather than the Wednesday. We like to bring it to you every Wednesday, but unfortunately, due to some complications, it has been delayed for a day. And we've only got one guest on this week's show, but yet again, it's a world champion. So that now marks 10 weeks in a row with at least one world champion on the show. Some weeks we've even had two. So I'm going to get straight down to business. There's a hell of a lot to talk about, as you will know, unless you've been hiding under a rock. And as we go into part one, the first thing I'm going to talk about is the review. Everybody will know that I do this to start the show. Uh, The first card we're going to visit is a card over in Russia. It took place uh, last week, of course. I'm going to start with the fight that topped the bill, the only real fight to mention. Former world champion, former IBF world champion Evgeny Gradovich, 21 wins and two losses with the one draw going into his fight. He fought Eusebio Oseho. Now, Oseho had 28 wins on his record and 17 losses, along with three draws. Now, nobody really knew much about Oseho. We thought that Evgeny Gradovich should get the job done and pretty convincingly, but there was a bit of a shock. In the second round, Gradovich was knocked down. Okay, so he was put down in the second round. He got up and um, everybody was kind of shocked. He kind of no one saw that coming. So Useho done really well there. And as I say, Gradovich was in was in, you know, his hometown of Russia, his, his home in his backyard, so to speak. And he managed to carve out a split decision win over 10 rounds. So all I'm going to say is. That could have been a little bit controversial, to be honest. I didn't actually watch the fight. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't televised or nothing like that. And there were so many fights on at the same time. It was hard to, to you know, to watch them all. But, um, yeah, I think that's a bit controversial there from Evgeny Gradovich. But on paper, he gets another win. So his record's now 22 wins, two losses and one draw. And that's it for Russia. We're now going to go over to... Uh, Pennsylvania, USA. Again, this one was on the Friday. Top of the bill, Robert Easter Jr., 17-0 going into this fight against also undefeated Richard Comie, 24-0 with 22 knockouts. We know that Comie can bang. It was for the vacant IBF World Lightweight title. Again, you know, that's a great division domestically over here for for the likes of Crawler and Flanagan. We're doing really well down at lightweight. And I tell you what, it was set up to be a good fight and it really, really was a good fight. Comie showed 
showed his power when he knocked down Robert Easter Jr. in round eight. And it ended up being a split decision win for Robert Easter Jr. So now he's 18-0 and and he's the new IBF World Lightweight Champion. It was a fantastic fight. I think it probably it's been uploaded to YouTube by now. If it has, go and check that out. It was a cracking, cracking fight. And Richard Comey done really, really well. It was a very, very, very close fight. And I tell you what, I'd like to see a rematch. And I'm sure that Richard Comey would agree with that. But that's the main event. We're now going to go down the undercard. Another cracking, cracking fight as the chief support. Um, we had him on our show last week, Sergio Mora, former world champion. He was going into this bout with a record of 28 wins, four losses and two draws. He took on the champion, Daniel Jacobs, 31 wins and one loss. Jacobs coming off 11 knockouts in a row and he extended it to 12. So I feel a bit sad there for Sergio Mora. Really, really, really nice guy on last week's show and uh, I wish I wished him the best of luck but it wasn't to be and Danny Jacobs is in absolutely tremendous form at the moment and everybody's talking about him taking on Golovkin and I seriously think in my opinion that Danny Jacobs gives Golovkin the most trouble at 160 if anything so don't start jumping down my throat if anything I mean you know I don't think no one can beat Golovkin at 160 but I think he comes closest I think that's fair to say Sergio Mora was down once in the fourth and fifth round and three times I believe in round seven so yeah it was it was called a halt and Danny Jacobs retains his WBA world middleweight title so Danny Jacobs again as I said he He's moving on to bigger and better things. And Sergio Mora, he should um, really go back to the drawing board and, and ask himself whether it's whether there's much point in, in carrying on, to be honest. But he come up against a great, great fighter. But I think that that might be the last time we see Sergio Mora at that level. He's fighting in the middleweight division. It's There's a lot of great fighters. You know, you wouldn't really want to see Mora in there with the likes of Golovkin. I think that would be a very, very tricky task. Um, also on that bill, Jorge Sebastian Highland, of course, the guy that knocked out Matthew Macklin a while back. He picked up a TKO on the bill and he extended his record to 28 wins, four losses and two draws. His win was over Ankel Hernandez. Hernandez was down twice in the first round and once in the second. Former world champion Kermit Sintron was also on the bill. He picked up his 38th professional win. Of course, he carries the five losses and the two draws on there. He picked up a win over Manny Woods and he also won the vacant world boxing foundation United States title. I, I'm not too sure what that's all about, but it's a, you know, it's not regarded as one of the big belts, but that was it for that one. And also on that bill, I should mention nice guy that we've had on the show before um, Travis Kaufman. He extended his win record to 31 wins. And of course he's got the one very controversial loss to Chris Ariola. He picked up a TKO in round two over Josh Gormley, but that's it for Pennsylvania. That's also it for the Friday. All those bouts took place on Friday. We're now going to go over to Saturday. We're going to talk about one fight that happened over in Finland at the Baltic hall, top of the bill, Robert Hellenius, 22 wins and one loss. He took on former Anthony Joshua victim, Konstantin Erich. Now, Konstantin Erich with a record of 23 wins and 17 losses with the two draws. He's got a winning record, but he's a bit of a journeyman. Everybody expected Robert Hellenius to get him out of there. But I tell you what, not in the fashion he did it. He got him out of there quicker than Anthony Joshua here. And Robert Hellenius scored a knockout in the first round. It was only scheduled for eight. And Robert Hellenius will be moving on to bigger and better things. Now, 
a former opponent of Robert Hellenius, also fought on the same night. It's our very own Derek Chisora. He was fighting over in Sweden, in Stockholm, and he took on a heavyweight called Drazan Janjanin. Now, Janjanin had a record of 13 wins and seven losses. Derek Chisora with a record of 25 wins and six losses. Derek Chisora picked up a KO in round two. Janjanin was down with a devastating, absolutely devastating body shot. I've seen a little clip on Twitter of it, and um, Jan Jenning could not come up from that. He got absolutely folded like a cheap deck chair, and um, Chisora, impressive win there. Again, his opponent very limited. We know that he's he's used to mixing it at a higher level than that, but a good win for Chisora. I don't understand why he's always in these random European countries fighting, but uh, he's certainly interesting, Derek Chisora. But that's really it for Sweden. We're now going to come back to the huge bill that took place over in the O2 Arena London, obviously here in the UK, top of the bill. Defending his WBC, IBF and IBO world middleweight titles, Gennady Triple G Golovkin. 35 wins and zero losses. Losses, taking on our very own IBF welterweight champion going up two weight classes, Kel Special K Brook. Now, a lot of people thought that this was a mismatch. A lot of people thought that Kel Brook was going to get absolutely blown out of there, wouldn't even come close to winning a round. He was going to get knocked out within two or three rounds. A lot of people were saying this, and I've got to say, I personally thought that Gennady Golovkin was going to win, just like a lot of others. But I will say this, Kel Brook proved a lot of people wrong. Kel Brook was absolutely brilliant. He was tremendous. He actually backed up Gennady Golovkin in parts of the fight. Um, I actually had it two rounds apiece after four rounds um, going into that fifth round where, of course, the fight was stopped. We're going to get onto the stoppage in a moment. Golovkin is like a Eastern European beast. You know, he's the beast from the East. He comes forward. He does not stop throwing punches. He does not stop coming forward. He walks everyone down. And I tell you what, he's just been absolutely brilliant for his whole career, really. He had an extremely decorated amateur career where he had like 350-odd bouts, and now he's here in the pro career. Hasn't put a foot wrong, really. He's knocked 22 or 23 people out in a row now. Everybody knows about Golovkin. I, have to, I don't really have to say too much about him. It, you know, it speaks for itself. But um, Kel Brook, of course, was going into this fight with a record of 36-0. Somebody's O had to go. As I say, Kel Brook was brilliant. He was really putting his shots together fantastically. Kel Brook was landing the uppercut uh, a worrying amount of times, to be honest, on Gennady Golovkin. I don't think Kell Brook's power was, you know, as telling as it has been at welterweight. I think that he, he moved up and it kind of cushioned his power a little bit. Gennady Golovkin's used to being hit by a fully-fledged big punch in middleweights. Um, we saw Gennady Golovkin put on a real uh, good performance against another real hard-hitting knockout merchant up at middleweight in David Lemieux. He didn't really let Lemieux land anything on him. Kel Brook, I'm not saying he let him land on him, but I don't think he was going to be worried about Kel Brook's power. But I will say, I think Kel Brook did, I'm not going to say hurt him, but he definitely gave him something, something to think about. He stunned him a couple of times. It didn't stop him from coming forward, of course. He still carried on coming forward and walking him down and cutting off the ring. Kel Brook was on the ropes a lot, but I've got to say, I was so impressed. I really just didn't see this happening. I really didn't see it happening. A lot of people didn't either. And I think Kel Brook, if anything, he's actually gained something here from this loss. It was always an uphill task here. And I think he's gained a lot of fans. A lot of people 
people went there supporting Kelbrook, all of a sudden, um, we kind of saw it on fight week. There was so much interest. A lot of guys flying over from the States, um, journalists over there coming over here to watch this fight. It really captured the imagination worldwide. And I think that he's done tremendous, Kel. And of course, in that fifth round, the fight was stopped after Dominic Ingle, that's the trainer of Kelbrook, he threw in the towel. A lot of people were booing because they didn't like the fact that it happened. And to be honest, even me at the time, I wasn't too sure what was going on. But after everything, Kelbrook went to the hospital, they checked him out, and he had a broken eye socket. So in the aftermath, in hindsight, I should say, it was a it was the right decision to make. But I'm not sure if Dominic Ingle knew that at the time. I'm not too sure. But, um, you know, Kel did. And and he said it in his post-fight interview. He, think, he thinks that he busted his eye and he was right. So, you know, we don't want to see fighters in there long enough where they end up losing their vision. That's not right. But he put in a great account of himself. I don't know if he'll ever get the rematch. But he he done tremendous. He really did. And uh, a lot of people saying he exposed Golovkin. I'm not sure if I'd go as far as saying that. But I think a lot of people would have taken confidence out of that fight. A lot of people that were linked with Golovkin will now fancy it that bit more after seeing that fight. I do have to say. Now, that was it for the main event. We're now going to go down the undercard. I'm going to try and um, skim through this as quick as I can. Lee Haskins defending his IBF World Bantamweight title successfully against Stuart Hall. It was a 12-rounder. There was a lot of knockouts on this bill but this one was a 12 round unanimous decision victory in favour of Lee Haskins he done really well some of the Sky Pundits gave it to Stuart Hall I couldn't actually see that and Lee Haskins got the job done so it's two wins over Stuart Hall now and I think I don't think we're going to see a third I don't think there's any need to but I know Stuart Hall certainly wants that so um, Golovkin of course retaining his three belts uh, Lee Haskins Retaining his belt. And also on this bill, Martin J. Ward, he picked up a win, an eight-round TKO over Andy Townend. So Martin J. Ward now 15-0 and with the two draws. And he also picked up the vacant British super featherweight title in that bout. Also on the bill, Callum Smith, he was on our show last week as well. He took on Norbert Nemesapati also known as Noble Norbert. Uh, he took him on and he actually ended up retiring Norbert Nesapati in the sixth round. He didn't want to come out for the seventh. He was down from a left to the body also in that fight. And Callum Smith now moves to 21-0 and with 16 knockouts, a bunch of those in the first round. So great stuff there for Callum Smith. He didn't look overly impressive. I think he'd be the first one to admit it. But he's got a lot on his mind. You know, his brother was fighting on the bill. His other brother's fighting this weekend. We're going to be talking all about it in the preview part of the show, or I'm going to be talking all about it because I'm on my own, as I said. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to find excuses for him. We all know he's a class fighter but when he fights these journeymen when he fights these I'm not saying this guy was a journeyman he had a good record 21 wins three losses going into the fight but I think that when he fights these guys that no one's really heard of they're not really possessing a true threat to him I think he underperforms a little bit but he always gets a job done he even gets a knockout but he just didn't look overly impressive in the first few rounds but yeah we're going to stop talking about that one we're now going to go over to his brother Paul Smith now Paul Smith was also on this bill he extended his winning record to 38 wins with of course the six losses he picked up a TKO in round five his opponent was down once in the third round twice in 
the fourth round and once in the fifth round. He was up and down like a jack-in-the-box, to be honest. And Daniel Reggie now 28 wins and 14 losses. Paul Smith got the job done, but again, you know, he was way too good for his opponent. It was a bit of a mismatch. And as I say, another knockout on this bill. On the whole card, I believe that there was only... Um, two or three bouts that went to points. The rest of them were all knockouts. Uh, there was a good bunch of, of, of fights on the bill, but that's it for the Paul Smith fight. We're now going to talk about the Charlie Edwards fight. Good friend of mine, Charlie. Uh, he took on the champion, the IBF world flyweight champion, John Real Casemiro. He's a two-weight world champion. And Charlie Edwards stepped in there. He'd only had eight fights under his belt. It was his ninth professional contest. Uh, it was a big ask. It really, really was. But uh, he really believed he could do it. And I know he was supremely confident having spoken to him on, on fight week and stuff like that. He really thought he was going to win this fight. And, you know, I had my heart pump him for the whole fight to be honest he was he, you know he, he really couldn't get going Charlie just the other man was very very classy you know he was he was fast he was powerful as well John Real Casemiro he's they brand him as the the best world champion no one's ever heard of you know no one really sort of knows who he is no one really pays too much attention to the lower weights unfortunately but that's just the way it is and he really showed his class on a real big stage here so I think a lot of people will be trying to avoid him uh, they'll want They'll want his title, but I think they won't really fancy getting in the ring with him. He's really proved himself as a good fighter, even though he's beaten a man in Charlie Edwards who hasn't really proved himself in the professional rankings yet. But he'll bounce back and he'll be he'll be a world champion for sure. I can definitely say that with full confidence. Charlie Edwards is true class. And uh, he got TKO'd in round 10 and it was a real, real good shot. You know, he he, he got dropped with it. He got back up. And he took a few more punches and the referee jumped in, to be honest. But I think he'd done really well to get up from the big punch that landed. It was just set up tremendously. Again, real classy performance from Casimiro. And Charlie Edwards will be back for sure. But we're going to stop talking about that one. We're now going to go on to the Gavin McDonald fight. This fight didn't actually get televised. It was an eight-round points win in favour of Gavin McDonald. So he's now 16-0 and with the two draws. Also on the bill, Kid Galahad. He moved to 20-0 and with a TKO in round four over Emiliano Salvini. I think Salvini had only been stopped twice legitimately in the last 12 years. So a good win there for Kid Galahad to get the stoppage. That again wasn't televised. Now the fight that kicked off the card was Connor Ben. He fought Joe Ducker and Connor Ben absolutely bashed him up to be honest. He KO'd him in round two. Ducker was down twice in the first round, once in the second round. He didn't have a win on his record and he left without a win on his record. Connor Ben now 4-0 and and a good demolition job. Also on the bill, Craig Spider-Richards. He moved to 5-0 and with a points win over Dalton Miller over four rounds. Craig Richards, a good, good fighter. I think he's going to be going on to big things in the future. But that's really it for the London card. We're now going to go over to another big one over in the Forum, Inglewood, California, USA. Top of the bill, Carlos Quadras, 35-0, and the WBC World Super Flyweight Champion. And he was defending his title against Roman Gonzalez. If Roman Gonzalez was to win this fight, he would become a four-weight world champion. Roman Gonzalez, 45-0, and of course. Somebody's O had to go combined records of 80 and 0 absolutely incredible that on top of the Brook and Golovkin being 35 and 0 and 36 and 0 there were so many wins or so many unbeaten fighters with their records at stake on Saturday night it was a fantastic fight between the two Roman Gonzalez 
a lot of people consider him in their top three pound for pound in world boxing. Uh, a lot of knockouts on his record as well. I believe 38 out of the 45 going into this fight, if I'm not mistaken. To be honest, I think it wasn't really his weight. I don't think he looked overly comfortable. I think that Carlos Quadras was the clearly um, naturally bigger guy in there. Gonzalez was cut also in round six, and uh, that was over and under his right eye. So his right eye was a bit of a mess. Um, I'm not sure which cut come first, but one one of the cuts was over the eye. One of the cuts was under the eye. Um, also, Quadras was cut on one of his eyes with an accidental headbutt. I believe that was in round eight or round nine. So it was a bit bloody, but Roman Gonzalez got the job done here. So he becomes a four weight world champion. Carlos Quadras, no disgrace in himself whatsoever. It was a 12 round unanimous decision um, victory for Roman Gonzalez. But I think it was, I think there was only maybe one round or one, one or two rounds in the whole, in the whole fight. You know, if, if one round would have gone um, back to Quadras, it would have ended up being a majority draw, if I'm not mistaken. So it was very, very close and a good fight to watch. I think that overall Gonzalez is a much better fighter than Carlos Quadras, but it just wasn't at the right weight. And I don't think we're going to see Roman Gonzalez go up further than um, super flyweight to try and become a fifth uh, five-weight world champion at this stage anyway. I definitely think he needs to grow into the weight before he thinks about that. But also on that bill, Yoshishiro Kamagai, former opponent of Robert the Ghost Guerrero, he got in there against Jesus Soto Carras. Now, Soto Carras, 28 wins, 10 losses, and four draws. He's a good fighter, and he's a tough fighter. He likes to fight up close. Everybody knows that. And Kamagai, you know, he was in a war with Robert Guerrero. So it was always going to be a good fight, and it ended up being a good fight, to be honest. Um, Soto Carras actually was down in round eight. Um, he was knocked down and he actually retired on his store at the end of round eight and he didn't come out for round nine. So a good win there for Kamagai, but another action field fight. If you haven't seen it, you've got to go back and check it. But that's really it for that fight in the USA. We're now going to go over to another part of the USA where soon to be opponent of Huey Fury top the bill here. Andy Ruiz Jr., 28 and 0. He put his unbeaten record on the line against Franklin Lawrence. He also actually put his NABF heavyweight title on the line against Franklin Lawrence. Franklin Lawrence, 22 wins, two losses, and two draws. It was a unanimous decision win after 10 rounds in favor of Andy Ruiz Jr. I was a bit frightened that that might um, jeopardize the fight happening with Huey Fury here if he was to pick up a cut or if he was to get beat or anything like that, but he come through unscathed. So a good win there for Andy Ruiz Jr. And also on that bill, Raimondo Beltran, 30 wins and seven losses with the one draw going into this fight. He fought Miguel Angel Mendoza and he picked up a TKO in round five. So a good win there for Raimondo Beltran. Now I tried to get through the review in as quick as I could because there was so much to talk about. I hope I did a good job. I hope that people are still actually listening. Maybe you've all logged out. I don't know, but I hope that you're still here. That's really it for the review. And so I'm now going to talk about a little segment that we haven't really talked about for a few weeks. Um, there hasn't really been enough funny names, so it wasn't something we could do every week. But I've spotted that this week particularly, there was a lot of funny names. Now, last week, a guy fought, we've mentioned him before, he's been one of the winners on our show, Hurricane Future. He moved to 22 wins and six losses. He's got the one draw. It was a KO win over Luis Aragayan, so that's a good win for him. Now, this week, there are two guys fighting. I'm not going to go in huge detail. One of them, I'm sure we mentioned him before. I'm not, not, I'm not overly sure, but I think I mentioned him before. His name's Aram Amir Khanian. Okay, so his surname is A M I R 
Amir, K-H-A-N Khan Yan, Y-A-N, Aram Amir Khan Yan. He's actually 5-0. He's looking to move to 6-0 this weekend. Now, we don't actually do the funny name segment every week anymore, but if I do find some belters, I will, I will, I will mention it on the show. And this is one absolute belter that I did come across, a guy called Schoolboy Deal Wacko. Now, he would win. If there was a prize that I could give him, he'd win it. He'd win it hands down. There's no more discussions to talk about. He would win it. Schoolboy Deal Wacko. He's making his debut. He's a featherweight, and he's making his debut over four rounds against a guy whose name I wouldn't even dare to attempt at pronouncing. So um, all the best to Schoolboy Deal Wacko. But I just thought I'd throw that in there. We don't talk about it all the time, but that really is a belter of a name. But that's it for the reviewing. That's it for the funny name segment. There's no news on this week's show. I regret to inform everybody. That's because I Summer has gone missing. Now, the last thing that I've got to do before we end part one, of course, is to welcome on the very first interview. Now, we did this interview about two days ago. Just before I bring it in, I just wanted to let everybody know that the man who I interviewed was actually in a gym. So it's a bit loud during some parts of the interview. You can still hear everything, but I just want to apologize in advance for some of the poor audio quality. I couldn't actually do anything about it. Some of it's absolutely fine. It's, it's brilliant audio, but some of it was a little bit loud throughout parts of it so it gets a bit it starts off really good then it gets a bit loud then it gets a bit better towards the end so I just want to apologize in advance for that so without further ado now it's time for our first guest ladies and gentlemen please welcome the former two-weight world champion and one of the pound for pound hardest punchers ever to lace them up it's of course Mr. Julian Jackson Julian welcome to the show oh man thank you for having me nice my pleasure it's my pleasure yeah, and it's uh, again, um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm so um, glad because you know I just came back from a tournament in Saint Croix with uh, my amateurs, and um, it, it, it's just amazing that uh, you know you would call me at this time, you know, and uh, just coming from a boxing event, you know, and boxing is now uh, something that uh, has really, you know, uh, affected me. Now I'm a coach, you know, actually leaving the, the professional ranks and now going into the coach in training and, and teaching and, and passing on that baton, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 for sure. But we're going to, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll talk a bit about, you know, what, what you're up to these days, but I want to start, I want to start a few years back, not too long back. You're not that old yet. <laughs> I want to <laughs> ask you just a typical opening question, Julian. How did you get into boxing? How did I get into boxing? Um, friends, um, you know, a, a gentleman, a young man now, a gentleman, a young man, at that time we were friends in school. Uh, his name is Irvin Beza. He got me into boxing and, um, you know, uh, it's amazing. Uh, I continued and he stopped, <laughs> you know, because when I got in there, you know, uh, my, 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 my trainer, Willie Wilhelm George, the first man that ever laid eyes on me, he pointed his finger at me and he said, hey, you, you. I looked behind of me and see if there was somebody else he was talking to because it couldn't be me. I was so, you know, I had a very low self-esteem about myself. And uh, he said, yeah, you. I said, me? He said, yeah, I'm going to make you a champion. I'm going to make you a champion. And I, I tell you what, I didn't believe him, but uh, I was able to join the gym and the rest is history. 
<laughs> he was certainly right, but we will get on to that. Now, Julian, you had a whole heap of fights. I'm going to jump right in with your first world title shot. At this point, your record was 29-0 and 0 with 27 knockouts. One of those 27 oh, knockouts man. over the former light middleweight world champion, Eddie Garzo. You step in the ring on the 23rd of August, 1986, against the also undefeated Mike McCallum for his WBA light middleweight world title. McCallum had a record of 26-0 with 23 coming by knockout. Going in going in on the stats here, this fight was due to be a slugfest. You came out swinging from the first bell. You hurt him a couple of times within that first round. In the second round, yes. again, the action's very fast-paced in that round. Then McCallum puts together a succession of unanswered punches and the referee waves it off. This was your first career loss. Firstly, I'd like to ask you what you remember from that night and did you agree with the referee's decision to stop the fight? Um, I, I'll be honest with you. Um, if Mike Tyson was in the other corner, I saw that I was going to knock him out. You know, and um, I had a very, I mean, look, I was so hyped for that fight. I was so, I mean, um, pet for that fight. I didn't care who was in that ring. And I went in there and, uh, you know, not really thinking like I should have. And um, as I remember, I remember uh, Mike McCallum took a, a knee. He literally took a knee. Uh, I, I had him. I thought I was going to knock him out. I went in there with too much confidence. After he took the knee, my corner to get him, and I went straight at him, and I got a thumb in my eye. Believe it or not, I got a few low blow, and, um, you know, and, 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 and the fight was stopped after the referee uh, decided that uh, I wasn't uh, responding. You know, the fight was stopped, and I was really upset. I felt that I could have continued. I felt that, you know, I was up against the rope, and my hands were up, but he was, he was punching around my, my defense, but I felt that I could have continued. And, um, you know, the referee stopped the fight. But again, you know, it was his discretion, and um, we just had to deal with it. Having the Virgin Islands behind me 100%, I felt that I let them down. I felt that uh, I had really let down the Virgin Islands. And um, I didn't want to go back home, man. After that fight, I was really, it was really a low blow for me. You know, after being um, stopped and, uh, you know, <laughs> with, the fight, with the fight ending like that, I, I really didn't want that to happen. And um, it was a shock to me. It was a surprise. But again, I had to learn from that mistake. And that was the turning point of really my career. Believe it or not, that fight with Mike McCollum was the turning point of my life and of my career. Getting back onto the journey, you dropped down a level after that fight, of course. You faced two fighters, Khalif Shabazz and Milton Leakes. You win both of those fights by knockout. Now we're in November of 1987. By this time, Mike McCallum has vacated the title because he's moved up to middleweight. You fight for the vacant WBA light middleweight world title against Inchulbeck. Yes, in Las Vegas, yes. Yeah, now Beck had a record of 41-1 and one going into this fight with 36 knockouts. Again, another fight expected to be a war. Now, this time you weren't going to be denied at all. You was not going to be denied. You could see it in your face. You, you, you was there to win that fight 100%. The first round, you boxed well, mainly off the back foot, and you drop him with a great left hook. Yes, I will never forget that fight. I remember um, it, it was an amazing, uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, display of power, of boxing, you know, uh, uh, like you said, 
you know, I, I, I was determined that this one was not going to leave. I was not going to lose this fight. And uh, it was told to me that this kid in Tibet was the hardest puncher in Korea. <laughs> he was the toughest fighter out of Korea and the biggest guy. And believe me, he was, he was taller than me. He was bigger than me. But I tell you what, I went into that fight after losing to Mike McCollum and coming back, uh, 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 having two fights, you know, to build me up. And I was back into the form. But you know what? Something different was going on with Julian Jackson. I became a Christian, believe it or not, in that particular fight, fighting for the, the WBA Junior Middleweight Championship of the World. I became a Christian, and I made a, I, I made a commitment to God. And I said, God, I'm going to give you my life if you give me the opportunity to become a world champion, to, to, to capture the world champion. I'm going to lift your name up. I'm going to exalt you, and I'm going to edify your name. And you know what? Dante said to me, this is going to be one of the toughest fights because this kid can bang. And I told Dante, okay, that this is going to be my easiest fight. And they, they did not believe me. Why? Because of what I went through, okay, in my, in, my, in my sparring session, in my training session. Before that fight, in my training session, I was literally knocked down in the gym by a, by a, by a gentleman by the name of a young man by the name of Israel Cole. He was 160, about 65 pounds. And I was sparring with this guy, and he caught me a right hand, bang, and I end up in the bathroom. I didn't know what happened. I didn't know what was I saw my wife in the bathroom after getting knocked down. And this, this was about maybe uh, two weeks before the intro that fight. And I said, God, I give you my life. And I need you to give me back my strength, my speed, my timing, my power. And, and believe me, God answered my prayer. And it was, I, I think that it was news that Julian Jackson doesn't look good. Julian Jackson will not be able to, to, to capture a championship again because he was knocked out. And I tell you what, God revived me because I... I believed God and I trusted him. And the next thing you know, this fight with Intrubet was the easiest fight I ever had. Yeah. Believe it or not. It, yeah, he looked it. He looked it from the outset, to be honest. Um, again, as I say, the, the first round was a great, great round for you. You came out, you won the second round. In the third round, you land some really big shots, mainly from the overhand right. But yet again, you drop him with a left hand, he gets up, he takes a few more punches and the referee jumps in to save him. At this point, you're the new WBA light middleweight champion of the world. Julian, how are you feeling at this point? Not only to win a world title, but also in style. The, the man's only loss was on points before you stopped him. And of course, he went on to be a world champion and only lost one more time before before retiring. I tell you what, Mills Lane was working in that fight and... I remember when I threw that left hook to his body, I called him a body punch, and I heard Mills Lane said, good punch! <laughs> I mean, that's the first time I've ever heard a referee, okay, in a fight, actually made a comment like that after I delivered a punch. And 
when I caught him the, the, the left hook to the body and I caught him the right hand, he went down and was through the rope. And I remember Mills Lane, instead of counting it, he raised his hand. I ran right into the middle of the ring. I dropped on my knees. I lift my hands up and I said, God, thank you for the world title. title. Thank you for the world championship. Man, it was the best. No, it, I, I'll tell you what, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Okay, and that's why I realized that if you don't, you see, if you don't uh, respect the sport of boxing, boxing will not respect you. And that's something I've learned, okay, through my, you know, years of fighting, that I had to discipline myself. I had to come to a place where I realized that this sport is not an easy sport, and I have to treat this sport right. I have to really uh, give 100%. And it's going to give me back 100%. And I tell you what, that's how I was able to make it. That's why I'm still in my right mind. That's why, I mean, I am, I'm just blessed, you know, to be involved in boxing and train other kids and to let them know that they have to respect the sport. Absolutely. You know, at this point, you're the new WBA world champion. You have two non-title fights after winning the belt. Both fights you win by knockout in the first round. Now comes your first yes. defense of your title. You face the, the former IBF light middleweight world champion, Buster Drayton. Another good fight was expected here. And boy, oh boy, did it live up to expectations. A real slugfest, which ended with a TKO victory for yourself in round three. Julian, talk us through that fight, please. Wow, what a tough fight that Buster Drayton was. I mean, uh, a, a warrior. He is an epitome of a warrior. He, I mean, war is written all over him and um, had the opportunity. And, but the thing is, I will never forget this. In every, I think, battle, in every fight that I went to, there's always something that I pull out of it that I remember. With all my fight, even win or lose, I remember certain things in, in a particular fight. And I remember Buster Drayton. He was so talkative every time we would get close together he would begin to run his mouth and he would begin to talk and talk and try to i guess he was trying to see if he could have uh beat me <laughs> you know in the verbal uh, uh arena and um but i realized that it was a tactic an old tactic that he was using but it showed me that there was something that he was afraid of. I realized that there was something that was causing him to act the way he was acting. And all I did, all I did was stay quiet throughout the whole time that uh, in, in, the, in, the, in the interview, um, when we, when we uh, had the press conference, all I said is that I'm gonna speak with my fist. I'm gonna speak with my punches. And, um, you know, went in there, and, and Buster Drayton was a very nice guy, man. I, I, I love that kid. And um, when I entered that ring, I realized that, um, you know, uh, Buster Drayton, uh, I think, was in a place where he wanted to make a comeback. He wanted to, he wanted to uh, display his talent, his, 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 his warrior, his warrior ability. But uh, he was backing up the wrong tree. <laughs> he was climbing the wrong tree. And, um, you know, it, it, it was just amazing, man. And, and we started boxing and, uh, you know, I, I think I was a little too much uh, uh, quick. I, I, I was much um, stronger than he was. Even though he was strong, I, I was much stronger, quicker than he was. 
and uh, I used that really, you know, uh, as a disadvantage, and uh, I was able to, you know, win the fight in, in, in a, I mean, a, I mean, in a marvelous way. Uh, I knew when I, when I hit him, when I caught him the right hand, okay, I knew that he was out before he even fell, before anybody knew anything. I felt a shot run from the top of my fist all the way to my elbow, and I did not have to touch him again. All I did was point to the floor, and he fell right back again, like a tree. <laughs> he fell like a tree that was sawed uh, in, in the forest. <laughs> a great win there. The next win for you, you move on to your second defense of, of the title, yes. this time against Francisco de Jesus. It seemed like you took your time to get rid of him in this fight. Yes, yes. Um, I think there was a lot of talk that, uh, you know, um, I was rushing. I, I, you know, I, I needed to con- do a little more control of, of my uh, boxing skills. You know, I just decided I'm going to go out there and I'm going to take my time and I'm going to box and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my time and just, uh, you know, uh, use, I, I believe, what I, you know, I'm gifted with. And that's my power. And that's my, my, my ability to, 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 you know, counter punch in a sense, you know, a lot of people don't look at me as a, a counter-puncher, but I was a counter-puncher, okay? And uh, it was very sneaky. Uh, 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 my left hand was, a lot of people would always look for my left hand, which is the left hook, but my right hand also had power. I used to set a lot of guys up with that because they're looking for the left hook, some looking for the right hand, and they're going to get the look. Those who are looking for the left hook will get the right hand. Those who are looking for the right hand will get the left hook. <laughs> Just like that. Was. <laughs> yes. Now, after that fight, you have a non-title fight in which you win it via knockout in the eighth round. Now we're moving on to July 30th, 1989, your third defense of your WBA world title. A young, fresh 22-year-old Terry Norris, the same Terry Norris that went on to become a three-time world champion. Norris went into your bout with two losses on his record, one loss in a very close unanimous decision, one loss by disqualification. So he'd never been legitimately stopped. Julian Tell us what happened in this fight. Wow. Terry Norris was an upcoming fighter that everybody, I think, felt, um, you know, had the edge on me because of his boxing style. He was a boxer. I was considered a a boxer puncher, more puncher. And um, they felt that the boxer would have definitely taken over uh, with his skills, with his movement, uh, his speed. He had some very quick hands, you know, and um, a lot of people felt that... uh, this fight was uh, a fight that would have definitely made me or break me. Yeah, and, it was a um, banana skin. It was a banana skin. Definitely was a banana skin. And um, again, you know, uh, I went in there with a mindset, you know, that uh, this kid don't, is going to box. And um, I know that I'm going to have to take it to him. I can't allow him to, to get relaxed and, and um, you know, get into his thing. I have to push the, the pace. I have to push everything. I have to be the one to initiate everything. And um, my, my corner, you know, had a good uh, plan and we went out there and they, they told me, don't ever step backwards, always keep going forward. And um, it turned out to be uh, exactly what, you know, we expected and um, the opportunity came. He, he was boxing and believe me, he had me. The times uh, his, his hand speed was uh, sort of throwing me off at times. You know, and um, a lot of people were able to see it. You know, I, I felt that I lost the first round. And I came out in the second round. I went into the second round to, to literally uh, go in there and, and just 
show my hands and, and to make sure that uh, I'm always the one throwing the last punch. And uh, the second round was a good round. I felt that I had it, and it was a close fight. And here it is, Terry Norris came out on his toes, and again, I'm pursuing him, and I'm backing him up. And the opportunity came where he dropped his hand, and because we decided that we're going to keep the pressure on him, we saw, I saw the opportunity. Okay? He was looking for the right hand, yet came back with the right hand. Bam! While he was going down, he was literally out from that one punch. Again, you win that fight by TKO in round two. Then yes. you decide to move up in weight. You decide to vacate the light yes. middleweight title. You have two non-title fights to get you settled into the weight. You win both of those fights by knockout within four rounds. Now you're fighting for the vacant WBC middleweight world title against a man from my side of the water, Harold Graham. Okay? Firstly, <laughs> firstly, the fight was supposed to happen in the UK. What were the reasons it ended up right. happening in Spain? I'm, I'm not too sure why it ended up in Spain. What was the reasons behind that? Okay, one of the reasons why it ended up in Spain is because uh, my detached retina. Okay, I had a detached retina, and the um, the, I British think board. The, um, the British board didn't allow me to fight on that side because of that. So that's why Dan King decided to take it to Spain. So okay. I think that was one of the reasons why uh, it didn't happen in um, you know in, in, in your hometown. Okay, so we'll go on to the fight itself, which I really hate remembering, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, through, Man, through... Look, <laughs> go on. I will never forget that fight. That, that was one of my, that was an epic fight. It was a fight, man, um, uh, a little similar, I would say a little similar to the Terry Norris fight because uh, Howard Graham was a tremendous athlete. Even though I didn't know much about him, I knew more about Terry Norris than I knew about Howard Graham. And Howard Graham, when I saw him for the very first time, I looked at his, his legs, his thighs, his thighs alone, I mean, were so muscular, so huge. I was like, what? When I looked at him in, in the ring, when I was in the ring, first time I've ever really seen him like that. And um, yes, you know, weigh in is one thing, but in the ring, it, it was something else. And um, I realized that I, I, was, I was in for a fight of my life, moving up in weight, in the middleweight division. And one of the reasons why, first of all, let me say this, one of the reasons why I left the junior middleweight is because there was nobody else really to fight me. You know, I was, I was, I was calling out everybody, but nobody wanted to fight me. And um, Dan King mentioned that the only way for me to make some money is to move up in weight. And, um, you know, I, I think my power was able to, I think, you know, keep me in, 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 in the middleweight division. And um, when I moved up, Howard Graham was my first fight. And I tell you what, we went in there um, just having, you know, this, 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 this almost like, I felt that there was something different about this fight. And uh, I would have to dig deeper than I've ever did before. He was a sulfur. He was an orthodox. He was very difficult. His style threw me off. I, I, I mean, he was the most difficult fight I've ever faced. And going into the fight, 
who caught me a, a punch in the first round that actually caused my, my eye to swell. Okay, my right eye. The referee was um, Joe Cortez. And after the first round, Joe Cortez came to the corner. So I'm looking at your eyes. You got to do something. Uh, I might have to stop the fight. I went out in the second round and I started to move and box and, you know, try to stay away. And uh, I got caught in the eye again. And um, I went into the corner and I blew my nose. And when I blew my nose, my eye actually swelled bigger. My eye became much bigger. And my, my corner said, no, don't blow your nose. Don't blow your nose. It was too late. And my eye, I could have hardly seen out of the eye. So uh, I decided that I was going to switch to some part because I couldn't see, you know, with my, with my eyes. So I switched. And I was, I was able to see better with, with, the, with you know, on the selfless side. Believe it or not, I'm going to say this to you. I don't know if the, your audience or anyone else will be listening, but I just want to say this. In the corner, I got off my seat. I'm looking over at Howard Graham. Believe it or not, being the man of God that I am, the first thing that I said, this was in the heat of battle. And you know what? I was being beat. I'll be honest with you, okay? He was getting the better of me. But I said this, God, send the Holy Spirit now. That's all I said. That's all I said. And then the bell rang. And I went out as a sulfur and he came straight at me to finish me because of my eye. Couldn't really see. But when I switched, I saw him. And it was a right hook that I caught him. I threw a right. He was right there for it. And I, I just threw that, 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 that right hook. And I caught him flush on the chin. And it was over. Yeah, that was all she wrote. I, 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 realized, I realized that, oh man, I realized that, you know, that, hey, there is a God in heaven. <laughs> and he, <laughs> there is a God in heaven and he has gifted me. He gifted me with, with, the, with, the, with the power, you know, with the ability to punch. And, 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 and you know what? We became very good friends. I, I admire that, that gentleman. I admire Howard Graham, and, and, and after the fight, I'm glad that everything was okay with him, you know, and um, I mean, it, it's amazing as, as a you know, world champion, you go and you meet guys all over the world, you know, but the one thing, you go there to try to take each other heads off, but after the fight, it's amazing how much sportsmanship, how much the, the joy, the love, you just want to go and just want to hug that brother for, 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 you know, giving you a bump eye or, or maybe just, you know, breaking a rib. <laughs> you just want to give him a hug, you know? And uh, it's just amazing how we athletes, you know, operate, especially after an epic fight, after a toe-to-toe, and, you know I mean, and you're going at it, and, and, and like, 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 like two wild dogs, and after the fight, the only thing you want to do is to go over to your opponent and just thank him and just hug him, you know, and, and, and uh, uh, it's amazing. And, you know, it's just amazing. And um, uh, again, I, you know, I, I will never, ever, you know, feel that uh, I need to, you know, rewrite my um, career, you know. The only one thing, there's only one thing in my career that I feel I would do different. I would work, I would definitely have a different promoter. That's my only that's my only, um, you know, 
because I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you afterwards, like after we got done with 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 your career, if you had yeah. any regrets. I, I, I'm going to ask you that in a moment. I just want to go back to that Harold Graham fight. Now, you know, Harold Graham, as you said, you be honest, he was winning that fight. You, you you landed that punch on him, which was a devastating punch. He was out for about five minutes after that. A real a real brutal knockout. Would you say that that was the the best punch you ever landed in your career, Julian? Wow, um, I tell you what, it was, yes, it was one of the most punches, especially coming from a, uh, out of that, uh, the left, left hand side, you know, um, not being uh, too much of a, you know, a switcher, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It just happened that I, I switched and I made that decision without my corner. I made that decision right before I went in, okay, to the third round. And I switched, and he came right at me, and his chin was right there, and I just threw the punch, and uh, it was perfect. I used my whole body. I mean, I, I, when I threw that left hook, I, I used every ounce of my body weight behind that punch, yeah, and I was sure. able to, 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 to deliver a punch. And, um, you, know, that's, that's one of the, uh, you know, that's one of the secrets that I have. That's one of the secrets that I, I believe makes uh, a, a, a real dangerous puncher. Once you could use your body, once you could punch, okay, with every ounce of your body weight and use it correctly, you'll be amazed. And that's something that, um, you know, <laughs> I, I think I was born with the ability to punch, but yet I had to, I had to bring it under, you know, I had to be able to uh, nurture it, I had to be able to uh, uh, harness it and, and, and to use it properly. Yeah, no, but you, you you got so many knockouts to choose from, to be honest. So to, 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 to just say that that was the best punch you landed, there's so many to think of, but it was definitely one of the best you landed, though. Yes, yes. Yeah, without a doubt. Now, carrying on the journey, after capturing the WBC World Middleweight title, you go on to defend it three times in the space of seven months. All three defences ending yes. in knockout, two of them in the first round. Now comes your fourth defence. Mm-hmm. You take on Thomas Tate. His record at the time was 24-1, and one, the first time in 10 years that one of your fights went the distance. I know you scored a knockdown right. during the fight, but you was unable to put him away. Walk us through that fight, Julian, a fight that was harder than most people thought it would be. Yes, um, he, he was uh, a, a fighter that I thought, uh, I believe, studied me a whole lot throughout my career. His trainers, as a matter of fact, I worked with his trainers in camp. I fought a, a young man in Mexico. I don't know if you remember that fight. He was a sulfur as well. I fought, I fought him in, uh, on, the, on the card with um, Chavez in Mexico. Okay. okay it was, and um, this kid, his coaches was actually the same coaches that trained uh, Thomas Tate, okay? And they were studying me. They wanted to beat me so bad. It was just amazing, um, you know? And, and they were, to tell the truth, they were sort of a little angry with me because uh, I, I beat most of their fighters. Um, somehow, I would fight a lot of their uh, athletes. Um, somehow, they, they were very good trainers and they had very good athletes and they, they promised that they would beat me, and they felt that Thomas Tate was the man to beat me. And being uh, the talent that he was, he was a tremendous fighter. Uh, I had the opportunity, again, you know, to show my boxing skills. And I wanted to box. I wanted to go out there because Thomas Tate was, was a very good boxer as well. And I went out there, and I boxed. Uh, I, 
I didn't want to really have an early knockout. I wanted to really back. And I think that's one of the reasons why he lasted. You know, um, we wanted to show our skills. We wanted to show our talent. You know, that I'm not just only a puncher, but I'm also a boxer. And then I tell you what, when I look back at that fight, I realized that uh, I had boxing ability. Uh, uh, I guess maybe uh, uh, Howard Graham, I guess um, Terry Norris, and all those guys uh, literally allowed me or, or pushed me to really get to that level where I was able to box Thomas Tate. Uh, I mean, it was amazing. I, I, I literally felt in control of that fight. Even though rounds were very close, I knew I was ahead. I knew that I was in control. I, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted to do, and I did it. And um, no matter what he came with, I always had something to answer back with. You know? And, and that, that fight was one of my best, I believe, boxing ability, uh, showing my boxing ability, showing my talent. And uh, I, I, I really enjoyed fighting Thomas Tate. Uh, I, I remember knocking him down. I remember the, the, the referee at that time was um, uh, a brother from Las Vegas. And he, I remember him telling, I heard him say to Tate, Tate, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. <laughs> I literally heard this referee telling my opponent, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Because I know, that, uh, because he was from Las Vegas, I, I felt that uh, 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 he was more favored for Thomas Tate. You know, anyhow, I, I was able to win that fight, you know, and uh, I knew I was in control and uh, it was a heck of a fight. Yeah, for sure. It really was. The fight I think you were talking about back in Mexico, was that the one where you took on Ron Collins? Ron Collins. That's Ron Collins. That's, That's the one. fight. Okay, yeah, okay. That, he was the same. His coaches were the same guy that, that worked with Thomas Tate. Thomas Tate, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, I got it. I'll never forget it, it yes. They told him the secrets. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Because they was in camp, they saw me. They, you know, uh, you know, they, they they knew a lot about me. They knew, you know, and they they, they felt that they, they they had my skills down, my 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 my, my you know, they had my my tricks and all of that down, and uh, they would, they would have been able to counter me and beat me. But it's they it's a whole wrong. different story when you get in there. It's a whole yeah. different story. Because it's only you and, and your opponent and um, the, the coaches are not in there. And uh, it's a big difference if, 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 if you don't think, you know, and if you get hit. And especially if you're in with somebody that you know has the ability to knock you out with one punch. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that go to your head when you get hit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Would you say, because we've gone over, you know, you knocked out so many people, right? And, and when we go over these fights where they've gone the distance, do you feel that, because a lot of fighters these days say, you know, when they when they go the distance and people get frustrated, they, they get disappointed when people go the distance. And then the fighters turn around and go, well, you know, I learned a lot in that fight. I wanted to get their rounds in. Right. Do, do you think, in your case, do you think you really did learn more from all those the, those fights that went the distance rather than the quick knockouts? Um, yes, uh, I must say, because there are areas in your in your career, there are areas in your in your in your I think in your in your talent that. You know, you, 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 you want to test, you want to see if you are able to use your, your legs or your, your ability of moving and uh, the timing. And, you know, and by knocking guys out early, you don't have the opportunity to do that. But yet, somehow, when you knock guys out, okay, when you knock guys out, it tends to give you 
the desire to even train even harder, much more. It, it, it gives you that drive to uh, go in the ring and to train even more and to box and to, you know, even though I was dancing guys out in the third round, mostly the third round, um, my, my, my trainer always used to tell me, Julian, now you have to learn to box. Now you have to learn to counter punch because most guys are going to come at you expecting that all you're going to do is throw hard punches. But if you box and if you counter punch, okay, they're going to be caught by surprise with that same power that you have. And that's something that uh, I think uh, made a difference. Uh, you know, a lot of fighters come in expecting me just to be a slugger, just to be throwing punches. But when they stand in front of me, they realize this kid is more than what, you know, they expected. And that's how it is. Yeah, absolutely. Now, moving on from that, moving on from that Thomas Tate fight, that would be your last successful defense during that title reign. You had one non-title bout, which you won by knockout in the fourth round over Eddie Hall. Then you put your WBC middleweight world title on the line against Gerald McClellan, a fight that you were winning until you got stopped in yeah. round five. Now, what what do you remember? What do you remember from that fight, Julian? Because I know that that was a fight that you know. Again, another another fight of the many other fights that you will really, truly never forget. He was uh, one of the biggest fighters that I've met. He was strong, you know, and um, coming into the fight, you know, we heard a lot about him, and he was a puncher as well, and it was saying whoever gets hit first is going to get knocked out. Whoever gets hit first. In my mindset, as, you know, being the champion, you know, <laughs> I know he's the one that's going to get hit. He's the one that is going to get the, the first punch that I'm going to be able to knock him out. And um, I went into that fight, and uh, I knew that I was going to win this fight as well. And, um, you know, started boxing, and I was doing pretty well. I knew I was in control. I had him. A lot of things happened before that fight. And, um, you know, I'm not a man to make excuses, but uh, I had an injury okay, in, in, in that particular fight. And, um, you know, I, I really believe that um, if I was 100%, it would have been different. And the funniest thing, those two fights that I had with, with McLennan, uh, I was injured twice. And um, I shouldn't have taken the fight, but I still, with my, you know, with my warrior instinct, I still went ahead and took the fight and, and lost. And um, it affected me. But yet, you know, being the, the man of God that I am, being the person that I am, you know, I, you know, I took the loss and, 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 you know, it was something because of what I believe I went through with Mike McCollum, you know, I was able to deal with my losses. You know, I felt that my losses really, you know, uh, sort of like was something there to open up my eyes, showed me a lot of the mistakes, things that I was doing that was wrong. And um, that fight with um, McKendon, it sure, surely did. And um, I, I would remember in the dressing room after the fight, McClendon was in trouble. He went to the doctor. He decided that he had to go to the doctor because his head, something was wrong with his head. He was getting headaches, headaches. And um, it's like he came over to me and says, man, Julian, I've never gotten so hit so hard in my life. I've never got hit so hard. I said, man, you didn't get hard. You hit me hard. You're the one that knocked me out. <laughs> he said, yeah, but uh, 
I don't know what set me up. He says my legs. He was trying for his legs. And I, as a matter of fact, my corner told me, it looked like they're going to stop the fight. It looked like he wants to quit. I'll never forget the first fight. It looks like uh, McClendon wanted to quit. But, um, oh, man, I can't remember the coach, man. He's a very famous person. Yeah, Emmanuel Stewart. Emmanuel Stewart. Emmanuel Stewart. Emmanuel Stewart. I, I'll never forget Emmanuel Stewart. Emmanuel Stewart pushed him and said, come on, Chad, you got to step up. You got to step up, man. You got to step up. You're a champion. You got to... Man, and, uh, you know, I, I said to myself, if Emmanuel didn't do that, he probably would not have come out in that particular round that he was... I was kicking him body shots. I was ripping to the body. I'll never forget. And, yeah. uh, but yet, he persevered, and um, I got knocked out, man. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, I respected, I respected his power as well. He can hit pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was... it's really strange because, you, you, as you mentioned there, you, you had two fights. We're going to get onto the second fight in a moment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, just run through what you did after that. So, of course, you bounce, you you bounce back after that with three wins, two by knockout in the first round, one by unanimous decision, before stepping back in the ring in a rematch with Gerald McClellan. Now, it's weird because you had two fights, and out of the two fights. Put, 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 the, put the knockouts aside, okay? He, he won the first fight yeah. and the second fight by stoppages. You actually won more of the rounds. If you put both of all the rounds in one fight, you won more of the rounds, which is just bizarre, really. Right, 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 right. But unfortunately, and again, he, you know, he, he won the rounds that, that counted in the end, you know? But believe it or not, you know, um, I, 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 my training camp was in Puerto Rico. Yeah. And I was working closely with a doctor, and he said to me, he said, Julian, I want you to really seriously think about this. You need to pull out of this fight because I had a disc in my back, you know, that was uh, out. Uh, uh, oh man, it was out of place. It was, it was strained. It was. Uh, I told him, no, man, I got to fight. I got to fight, you know. And uh, I went into that fight, and um, you know, uh, the punch hurt me, but the, the 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 pain, the pain in my back, really did me in, and. Um, I, 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 I give my, I tip my hat to him again. And I said, man, you beat me, uh, you know, but uh, yeah. I, I didn't give up. I did not give up. No, you know, of course. I, I won the title for the third time. I won a title for the third time. Did you realize that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know everything. I know everything. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. You're a boxing fanatic, man. I, you know, I listened to you, but I heard you say two-time world champion. No, 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 no. Two weight world champion. Two weight world champion. Two world, that's right. That's right, that's right, that's right. Okay. <laughs> that's my problem. This is my show. <laughs> yes, yes, I got you. I got you. <laughs> the second fight with, with Gerald McClellan, it only lasted around about 70 seconds, something like that. It was a really short fight. Yeah, As you man. said yeah. there, it was, um, you know, you got into that fight with a slip disc. It was a yes, decision yes. that you made to continue to fight, which was really done with your heart rather than your head, to be honest. Exactly. Which we, which is what a lot of fighters do. There's not really much to talk about in that fight. As I say, that you know. Yeah, back in those times. Yeah, back in those times. Uh, hey, it was a wrong. It was a decision that I made. My corner sort of like tried to get me to, you know, really make the right decision. But you know, they they, they want to respect my decision as well. And uh, I, you know, I realized that hey, you know, uh, I'll be honest with you, you know, uh, financially. Uh, 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 I needed the fight to tell you the truth. You know, financially back then, I needed the fight. You know, I needed uh, 
to get, you know, the fight, uh, uh, to keep things in, in place for, you know, for me, for my family and stuff like that. So, yeah, you know, um, of course. that was things that you just have to, you know, you have to swallow and deal with, you know, and that's why uh, I believe, you know, I had to go through those, that, that thing so I could try and teach my, my sons, you know. Of course, of course. Now, at this and, point... And, and direct them differently, yes. Now, within a year of that second, um, you know, that, that second McClellan fight, you, you come back with a knockout win in a non-title fight, and then you fight for the vacant WBC world middleweight title, your old belt, the one that McClellan had vacated. You faced Augustino Cardamo. He was undefeated as he stepped into the ring, but he left with his first career loss, which was by knockout in round two. Now, at this point, you're a three-time world champion, two-weight and three-time, and you've beat some great fighters along the way. Does any of your hunger or desire leave you at all at this point, honestly? At that point? Yeah, at that point. I, I, I tell you what, I, I think some of the, the drive had uh, left when I lost, but when I won, when I, when I beat Kamona, yeah, it, 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 it revived me a bit. I tell you what, it did revive me. I must say, you know, I, I'm a very positive person. Um, I believe uh, in ad, uh, addition, multiplication, but not subtraction. <laughs> I don't believe in subtraction. I believe in addition. And um, I, you know, I'm a very positive person. And um, uh, like I told you, whenever I decide to do something, I'm going to give it a hundred percent. Even at that time, I was still hungry. I was still, you know, uh, 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 desiring to become a world champion. And when I got the opportunity to fight against Caramona, uh, it was an opportunity, and I took it. And um, you know. Even knowing his record, knowing the, the type of, you know, fighter he was, I think I felt that he had never faced somebody like me. I, I, I realized that uh, he had, you know, a lot of thoughts going through because he knew the type of fighter that I was. There was still a lot of respect, and uh, I used that uh, for my advantage, and um, it worked out just right. And um, I, saw, uh, I saw a little intimidation just by staring here, just by, um, you know, looking deep down inside his, his, his soul. And, you know, that's something that I have learned um, uh, when I go into the ring and we have to have, we, we do the face off and we, we stare each other and we look to see what we can find that we can uh, uh, exploit, that we can uh, affect, you know, and I saw something and I, and I grabbed it, you know. Uh, I don't know if you saw something in mine, but uh, I saw something in his, and I grabbed it, and uh, I realized that uh, there was some fear there. And um, I realized that if I, if I carry the fight, if I make the fight, uh, I am going to get the best of it. And I did it, and it worked out just right, and uh, I realized, you know, that uh, his heart wasn't really where it, it was supposed to be, and um, I, was be, I was able to become a three-time world champion, a twice uh, WBC uh, champion. Of course, of course. Now, after this fight, as I say, um, you, you go in there with, with, with Quincy Taylor, 
Now, this is, you know, this was a good fight. These, these, these fights here, the next fights that follow this, I say this was kind of when you were past your best, if that's fair to say so, Julian. Um, you got in there with Quincy Taylor, and of course you, you got stopped in, in round six. It was a close fight up until that, up until that point. Could, could you go over the Quincy Taylor fight, what, what you can remember from that fight for us? Yes, um, I knew I, I, you know, I was having a, 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 some problems with my. It was actually my 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 left hand. Yeah. You know, I was having problems with my left shoulder. Really didn't know what I. I to tell you, I thought it was a muscle. I didn't realize that it was a rotator cuff. And um, in I remember in the fight we was going at it, man, and and I threw a left hook. I probably missed him or or caught him, but. My hand felt numb and it come as if it was dead. It, and, and, and I couldn't move it. And um, then we went to the hospital after the fight, after I lost and all that, I beat up. I went to the hospital and they said, your, your, um, your rotator cuff is torn completely. Can you imagine wow. that? <laughs> Can you imagine wow. that? Wow, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, wow. these days here, these days here, you know, you you've done a lot in the sport already. To be honest, these were these were like your last days in the sport. You know, these you've done a lot up at this point. This point was when you were over the not yeah over the hill. You 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 were on the decline a little bit. Yeah, yeah, fair. I was over the hill. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if that's yeah. fair. But after no that, problem, fight, listen, uh, I'm, I'm not believe me. Um, I I I can take um, uh, positive criticism. Anytime, anything, anybody wants to talk to me, no matter what it, it sounds like, if it, even if it's me losing and I getting beat up, and uh, I can deal with it, believe me. I um, didn't have much, Julian. <laughs> I just want you to know that. You know, yeah, you know, that... And be real, just be real, you know. I, I, I would rather somebody be real and let me know. Uh, uh, let's talk about it. After. Of course. Now, after that Quincy Taylor fight, you bounce back with four yes. wins. Two by knockout, two on points. Wow. Before losing to Verno Phillips, a former and future world champion, and then, of course, finally to three time world title challenger Anthony Jones. Your illustrious career ends on a record of 55 wins, 49 by KO. That is so incredible. And six, just, wow. just six losses. So your final record ended up with 55 wins out of 61 fights and, uh, and six losses. So I want to ask you, Julian, now, you talked yeah. about it earlier on. You said about the Don King situation. I want to ask you, were there any regrets in your career? Okay, let me say this way. The only regret I have is, is my promoter. Uh, the reason why is because now I, I, you know, I can look back, you know, especially after what I've been through you know, with that promotion, um, the, the battles that I went through you know, with, with the promotion that's supposed to be on my side and, and, and working for me and helping me and trying to get me my best opportunities, you know, to make, you know, the best of my career and to, to make uh, as much money as I can make that I, I believe I deserve. Uh, I felt that they let me down. Um, uh, I would definitely would have dealt with either other promotion, somebody else other than Dan King, okay? No, I, I'm not going to be real, I'm just being real. And I will talk to Dan King and I tell him to his face, you know, that um, I don't think that you gave me what, you know, I deserve. And I was fighting for it and you, you silly took what belonged to me and really didn't care. And um, that's something that, 
I would have, I would definitely change, and that's why none of my boys are with Dantin. That's why I'm doing my best to try and promote them myself and manage them myself. And uh, we've been through some obstacles, and I see that you know we've done a tremendous job, and I think they're happy, they 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 feel um, content, and uh, I believe the best is yet to come. Yeah, for sure. So the only regret with your career, you could really say, was just promotionally. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And even with Dan King, I, I, I'm still privileged uh, to have worked with him. You know, I became champion through him. You know, in spite of all that may have happened, you know, the man was one of the renowned uh, promoters out there, and he did a good job. But yet, um, there were things that he was doing that was not really beneficial for the fighters. And um, I'm a, a, a prime example, you know, and many others that I know, you know, that, 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 that spoke to me and that, uh, you know, but yet I still respect the man. Uh, I would never uh, disrespect him. You know, I'm just speaking my mind and um, that's what it's all about. And um, again, you know, I, I really believe that, um, you know, boxing has evolved and, uh, if I could have promoted myself, just like how Mayweather promoted himself, uh, you know, I would have done that. You know what I'm saying? But again, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just that uh, the era that we're in, this is a different era, and we have different fighters, and um, boxing has evolved, and we have to flow with, you know, what's going on. But yet, we still have to respect the sport. And uh, people like you, I, I must say, have kept boxing alive. And I want to thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity to share, you know, um, from my heart and, uh, to the boxing world. And uh, I really appreciate you. Thank you very much. Hey, I really appreciate you. I really appreciate you. Now, um, I want to, I want to, I want to ask you about these days. I want to ask you about these days. Um, just, just before I ask you about that, Julian, when you say you had great times with Don King. But um, there's some things that he did which you don't think were, you know, beneficial to you. Are you able to go in more detail on that? Money-wise, uh, I don't think we were paid. Um, what I don't think I was uh, given the opportunity to uh, make the money that I, I think I, I deserve, that I uh, was worth. And uh, Dan King didn't pay me that money. There was always an excuse, you know, that uh, Julian, you're, you're from the Virgin Islands, and if you come to Las Vegas and you have a main event with Julian Jackson, uh, how many Virgin Islands are going to be there? Is what he would try to bring to me, you know, and that's what he says. If I have uh, what's his name, um, the Mexican that he had, uh, Chavez, he says right, if yeah. I put Chavez on a card. You know, I'm going to I'm going to fill the house with with, with, with Mexico, but I can't fill the house with Virgin Islands. You know, people from the Virgin Islands, and I understand that life. But it is your duty to make me a household name. It was your as a promoter. It was your uh, 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 job, you know, to to give me that opportunity to make me that type of a fighter. And I believe that I was that type of fighter, but you uh, did not give me. You know, um, I, I do. And, um, you know, that's really what I, 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 I have my beef with to dancing. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, lastly, Julian, the last couple of things I've got to ask you before I let you go. Um, of course, you were a very hard hitter yourself. You knocked a load of guys out. Who was the hardest hitter you've ever been in with? Ah, oh, boy. Um, 
I, I, I would say Jerome McLennan is one of the hardest hitters that I've been in with. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it was proven. I, I got I got stopped. <laughs> and um, I'm not, you know, ashamed of that. But, um, you know, there are a lot of other fighters that I've been in with. But um, Jerome McLennan was, was one of the hardest, you know, um, Everybody have their opinion, you know what I'm saying, in boxing and uh, have their favorites. But uh, I think the world know that Gerald McLennan was a very good puncher himself. You know, and yeah. I, I must give him that, you know, I must give him that too. It's yeah, cool. of course. Yeah, of course, of course. Okay, so the the last couple of questions I've I've got now, probably the last one or two, Julian, yeah. is, of course, your two sons box as well, just like you did. They followed in your footsteps. I've got a close relationship with Julius, a real, real nice guy. Um, John, John's a good guy too. Both of them have had a bit of a rough 12 months. How happy are you with their progress thus far? And also, what's next for both men, of course, having a bit of a rough 12 months? Yeah, you know, um, what what is amazing is that you know, these guys, uh, you know, go through some serious, um, you know, losses that could have an effect, you know, to any any athlete, you know, after losing like that. And um, it's amazing. And I, I think what really is transpiring is that they have, learned, they have learned from my losses and how I dealt with my losses. And the effect it has on them is in a positive sense. And uh, I am so pleased with what I am seeing, you know, um, a lot of fighters will, will lose a fight and want to give up and want to quit and want to throw in the towel because, uh, you know, they see that they've been uh, dealt with unjustly and, uh, you know, sometimes they see that uh, things are not going well anymore and uh, uh, they just start to go downhill. But uh, I always tell my, my, my boys that, look, you know, your faith is what makes the difference and uh, your trust. And you know what? I went through what your dad went through and, you know, I've lost fights and you know what? Losing is what really made me, okay? Your loss can either make you or break you. And according to how you deal with your losses, and I believe that they are dealing with it perfectly. And I think that they are definitely going to come back. You know, like I said, John fought Kuda Leaks, you know, and he was totally in control, knocked down Kuda Leaks, had him hurt, knocked him down in, I think, second round. And then, uh, was going in for the kill, and then all of a sudden, bang, he got caught. He got caught cold and um, lost the fight, you know. And here it is now. He's fighting again. Uh, he was ranked number two after losing to uh, Kuda Leaks. I mean, that's Andy, Lee. But Andy Lee. Andy Lee. Andy <laughs> Lee. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm mixing myself up. But um, he lost to Andy Lee, and yet he was ranked number two in the world because of the way it was done, the way... What happened? Everybody, even Andy Lee knew that was a a, a shot that came from nowhere. That <laughs> I mean, that it was a surprise. He knew he was going to lose. He knew he was on the losing end, and then all of a sudden, bang! You know, he caught John, and then John is fighting now um, one of the Charlo brothers, and uh, he is dominating the fight in total control. Like easy fights, you know. Our plan, our strategies were working to the T until. He got caught again and lost the fight. It, 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 I know it was hard, and uh, you know, and I realized that uh, it was a tough thing. And then the next thing you know, Julius, uh, it, it, same thing happened to Julius. You know, he's fighting for an uh, 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 opportunity to fight for a world title and lost against uh, this, this, this guy. And um, then, um, <laughs> you know, it affected him as well. But then again, I, I always tell them I was there. You know, I thank God for the opportunity to be in their corners 
and to be able to speak into their lives, especially at those points, those pivotal points of their life when they go through stuff. Sometimes you need somebody that could speak into your life, somebody that can uh, release something positive that could cause you to make a, a, a tremendous stand. And then he fought again and lost uh, not too long ago. And um, again, you know, was in control again, just like John was. Uh, you know, and the thing is, you know, he knows he could beat the guy, but got caught. And I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that these guys uh, uh, must understand that, that, that greatness is, is, is how you deal with your losses. And I tell you what, I am proud of the way they're dealing with it. The boxing world have not yet heard what is, to, what, what is about to take place. You know, and I, I give God the glory for what he's doing. And I, I really believe this. Their careers, are not, they are not over. They're going to become world champions. They've got to continue to trust God and believe God and stick with it. You know, they've got to believe in themselves as well, and they've got to work hard. You know, there are a lot of things that came out, you know, because of those laws, a lot of things that they themselves, you know, had to go deep and really research and, 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 and find what thought there could be mental situations that takes place in a lot of fighters. A lot of fighters have mental uh, 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 problems that they need to overcome, you know, and, and those, are key, those are things that we are all dealing with, and I believe that you're going to see and you're going to be hearing a lot more about these guys. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Now, the last question I've really got for you, Julian, the absolute last question now is, I have to ask this question to all fighters that I speak to from all over the world. I want to ask you, who would you say is your favourite fighter from the UK in history, past or present, UK fighter? Um, To tell you the truth, I really didn't know much about Graham. I knew more about, uh, I heard more about Eubanks, yeah, I, uh, the heavyweight. Um, was Lennox it, Lewis. From, uh, Lennox Lewis. Um, Lennox Lewis was, 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 was one of my favorite, really. I must say that Lennox Lewis. He was the one that I knew of more than any other fighter. Um, I haven't seen Eubanks. I've heard about Eubanks. But I, I, I had the opportunity to even uh, get to meet uh, Lennox Lewis. You know, uh, many, many fights with uh, Dan King. You know, being that Dan King was my promoter. And um, I know Lennox Lewis had a lot of different, you know, um, I think fights with his with his fighters, you know. And um, I was able to know him a little more. Uh, and I, I think he, he would be, I think, considered one of my favorite out of the UK. Yeah, it's a popular answer. A lot of people go with with Lennox Lewis, um, a truly good fighter. Now, Julian, listen, I just want to say I've really, really enjoyed every second of this interview. I really appreciate you giving me a bit of time this week. Happy birthday for a couple of days ago. And um, no doubt we'll speak again soon, my friend. No doubt we'll speak again soon. All right, man. God bless you. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part of the show where we preview the fights that are coming up this week and this weekend. There's a few fights that are taking place during the week. Now, of course, this podcast is going out on a Thursday, so I'm going to refer to it as tonight. So tonight on the Thursday, the 15th of September, over in Philadelphia, USA, top of the bill. We had him on our show before. Nice kid, Dusty Hernandez Harrison, 29-0 and with the one draw. 
He's taking on Thomas Lamana, who has a record of 21 wins and one loss. I believe that Lamana's mixed it at a bit of a better level than Dusty Hernandez-Harrison. And Dusty Hernandez-Harrison's last win over Mike Dallas Jr. was a little bit controversial. I'm just going to leave it at that. It's a 10-rounder at welterweight. It's for the vacant USBA welterweight title. And I believe that Hernandez-Harrison's actually the underdog here. So best of luck to him tonight. We really are pulling for him to get the job done. Also on that bill, I've mentioned him a number of times now. He's a bit of a superstar. Well, he will be a bit of a superstar in the future. 17-year-old Devin Haney. He looks to move to 10-0. and 0. It'd be fantastic for him to cruise to double-figure wins with a six-round contest here at the lightweight division against Mike Fowler. Now, not too sure who Mike Fowler is, but he's really got his work cut out. Devin Haney, tremendous, tremendous young talent. But that's really it for the Thursday. We're now going to move over to the Friday. We're going to talk about one fight that's happening over in Denmark, Lalenga Mo. He's taking on Derek Finley. Now, Lelenga Mock now with a record of 35 wins and 14 losses with the one draw. He just gets a mention because once upon a time, he knocked down David Hay. He's in a 10-rounder at super middleweight. And Derek Finley's record, 24 wins and 20 losses with the one draw. That's it for Denmark. We're now going to go over to Japan. Two world titles contested on this bill. We're going to start with the first one. Shinsuke Yamanaka, 25-0 and 0 with the two draws. He puts his WBC World Bantamweight crown on the line against Enselmo Marino, who has a record of 36 wins, four losses and one draw. Also on that bill, Hugo Ruiz, 36 wins and three losses. He puts his WBC World Super Bantamweight title on the line against Hazumi Hasegawa, who has a record of 35 wins wins and five losses so a good card there over in Japan some great cards happening over in Japan in recent history to be honest but that's really it for Asia we're now going to come over to the USA at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas top of the bill Ishay Smith 28 wins and eight losses he takes on Frank Galaza 17 wins and one loss with the two draws that should be a good fight you know Ishay Smith he done really really well to capture a world title but you know he's in there against a guy here who's mixed it at a decent level. I think this is actually going to end up being a good fight. Also on that bill, Dominique Dalton, 17-0 and 0 with the one draw. He takes on Justin Deloach, who has a record of 15 wins and one draw. Another good fight here. Both of those fights mentioned at Super World to weight 154. And also on this card, Jay Leon Love, 22-1. and 1. He takes on Deshaun Johnson. We've talked about this fight with Jay Leon Love when he was on the show a few weeks back. So I know that he's thinking he's He's going to just go in there and get the job done. He probably will. But uh, all the best to Jaylee on Love from the Box Hard podcast. Also on this bill, Sharif Boguer. He looks to move to 29-1. and one. He takes on Luis Eduardo Flores. Now, Boguer's a good, good fighter. And also on this bill, Lanel Bellows, 16-1. and one. He takes on DiCarlo Perez, who has a record of 15-5. and five. So this one's a bit of a... It's got a lot of Mayweather's fighters on it, so I believe it's probably a Mayweather promotion card. So it's great to see his young talent get out. But that's it for Las Vegas. We're now going to come back to Europe. We're going to start with a card over in Germany. This is a a fight that um, should be a quite a good one. Both guys got 37 wins. It's, of course, top of the bill. Nuri Safari takes on Firat Arsalan. Now, we know Arsalan for his fights against Marco Huck and the rest. This is for the vacant WBO European Cruiserweight title. So, Safari has a record of 37 wins and seven losses. Arsalan has a record of 37 wins and eight losses with the two draws. Also on this bill, Caro Murat 
former opponent of Nathan Cleverly, former opponent of Bernard Hopkins as well. He's fighting for the vacant WBA international light heavyweight title against Yevgeny Makteneko. Now, Makteneko has a record of eight wins and four losses. I really don't understand why these two men are being matched when uh, one is so much more experienced than the other and it's it's actually for a title here. So that's a win that um, Kara Murat should really win relatively easily. It, it, I'm not sure what that, that matchmaking is all about there, but um, nonetheless, it's, 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 a, you know, it's, a, it's another fight that I should mention. Also on that bill, Manuel Char. Nobody kind of knows what's happened to him. I know that at one point he, he took a loss and somebody abused him on Facebook and he was trying to, I believe, meet up for a fight with someone and I think someone ended up shooting him or something like that. I heard something that could be completely wrong, but I did hear something along those lines. Manuel Char, 29 and 4, he takes on Sefer Seferi. Now, I'm not sure if this is anything of any kind of relation to the top of the bill fight with Nuri Seferi fighting Firat Arslan. But uh, this guy has a record of 21-0. and 0. So even though Manuel Char is the home fighter, so to speak, I think that this is going to be a tough, tough ask. Manuel Char, a lot of people thought he was better than what he was. He took a couple of losses that he shouldn't have lost. And it's going to be an interesting one. As I say, 29-4 and 4, Manuel Char against Sefer Serefi or Safer Safari, I should say, 21-0. and 0. That's also for the vacant WBA international heavyweight title. And also on this bill, a bit of a strange one, Odlania Solis, 21-3. and 3. Another fighter who was, you know, expected to do big things, took on Vitaly Klitschko. I believe he got knocked out in the first round. He got his world title shot. He dropped back down. He took a loss to someone, I can't remember who it was, and then he ended up losing to really old um, Tony Thompson, which was a bit of a shock loss. But he's back again. I believe he's someone that really hasn't dedicated himself to boxing as as much as he should have. And he has a record of 21-3. and three. It's an eight-rounder against an opponent called Alexander Todorovic. Now, Todorovic has a record of eight wins and nine losses with the one draw. So this should be a really, really easy win here for Solis. And hopefully next week I'll be saying that he scored a knockout because if he underperforms here, then I think that's really it. You know, he really should win this fight easy. Two huge mismatches on this bill in terms of records anyway but that's it for Germany we're now going to go over to Poland a cracking card that Sky Sports have picked up just last minute I'm going to start with a fight on the undercard Andrzej Warzyk 32 and 1 he takes on Albert Sosnowski 49 wins, seven losses and two draws. Now, Sosnowski, of course, a Polishman who lives in Redhill in, in England, which is a real strange one. We know that I believe he's been in prize fighter at one point. I think people were talking about possibly being a Joshua opponent. He's got a whopping record of 49 wins. Again, a real paddy record, but he takes on Warzik, who has a record of 32 wins and one loss. It's going to be a good fight, this one. Both guys... I think one of them, they both want to go on to big things, but only one of them is going to make it. And Sosnowski, I don't even know how old he is, but he's, he's had so many fights now. I couldn't even believe he was still boxing, to be honest. I think he's been inactive for a few years as well, if I'm not mistaken. He certainly hasn't been in any big fights. That one is going to be a good fight. And also on the bill being the main event, um, Christoph Glowacki, 26-0. and 0. He takes on Alexander Usyk, 9-0. and 0. A lot of people know about Usyk. A tremendous, tremendous talent. He's only turned pro, I believe, maybe a year or two ago. He's, a, of course, a, a former gold medalist in the Olympics 
and this is going to be a real good fight. It's for the WBO World Cruiserweight title, one I'm certainly going to be tuned into again. Remember, it's on Sky Sports 1 on Saturday, so it's going to be a real, real good fight. But that's it for Poland. We're now going to go over to the USA, another fight happening over there on the Saturday. Now, I've got to actually... um, include this fight again it's a fighter who he's not he's not regarded as a good fighter anymore we've seen Dillian White just take him apart and um, he was a former world title challenger but the reason why I'm going to mention him is because he's actually announced his retirement after this fight so this is his last fight so Brian Minto 41 wins and 11 losses he takes on Guilla Bose who has a record of 15 wins 8 losses and 4 draws so I'm hoping Brian Minto can go out with a win here he's um you know, he's really completely over the hill now. And I hope he doesn't actually lose because he may carry on. And I really think he should hang him up. But that's it for that fight. That's taking place over in Pennsylvania. Now it's time for the big one. We're going over to the AT&T Stadium. Of course, the home of the Dallas Cowboys over in Texas, USA. Top of the bill, Saul Canelo Alvarez. 47 wins, one loss and one draw. This is actually the Box Hard Podcast 50th episode. And this is Saul Canelo Alvarez. Alvarez's 50th professional fight. Liam Smith, our very own Liam Smith in the other corner with a record of 23 wins, zero losses and one draw. Also, Liam Smith bringing his WBO World Super Welterweight, also known as light middleweight world title to this fight. So Canelo, of course, a huge favourite. Everybody knows that Liam Smith is up against it here. I think Liam Smith's the type of fighter that doesn't really let the occasion get to him. I don't think he's going to be you know, he's going to freeze or anything. There's going to be loads and loads and loads of people in attendance. It's a stadium fight over in the US. And of course, a lot of people coming out for Canelo. It's on the Mexican celebration weekend as well. So there's going to be loads and loads of Mexicans in the house. I don't think Liam Smith's worried about that, but it's of course an uphill task. Everybody knows it. Even Callum Smith last week said he knows that his brother's up against it, but he feels that he's got his number. And a lot of people should remember that when Amir Khan was training to fight Canelo, um, Liam Smith was actually sparring with Amir Khan, replicating Canelo's style. So I know that Liam Smith knows a little something about Canelo. And we'll have to wait and see what happens. But it's going to be a really, really good fight. And I pray to God that Liam Smith can get the job done because it will be so brilliant for his career and also brilliant for great British boxing, to be honest. Again, we're on a huge high right now. It's really, really booming, as everybody knows. I really, really hope that Beefy can go and get the job done. So all the best to him. Also on that bill, Gabriel Rosado, 23-9. and nine. He takes on Willie Monroe Jr., 20 wins and two losses. This is actually going to be a good fight, but one I think Willie Monroe Jr. should win. Of course, both opponents, both victims in the past of Gennady Golovkin. He stopped them both. And this is for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Middleweight title. Also on the bill, young prospect. Again, another man that we've mentioned many, many times, 21-0. and 0, Joseph Diaz, he takes on Andrew Cancino. This is for the NABF featherweight title. Also on the bill, Diego De La Hoya, 15-0, the cousin of Oscar De La Hoya. He puts his WBC Youth World Super Bantamweight title on the line against Luis Orlando Del Valle, who has a record of 22 wins and two losses. A good fight here for Diego De La Hoya, but one I'm sure he'll get through. Also on the bill, Eddie Gomez, 
He puts his IBF North American welterweight title on the line against Darlo Ferryman. Now, Ferryman has a record of 13 wins and one loss. Again, another good fight. Also on the bill, young prospect out of the Robert Garcia Boxing Academy, Joshua Franco, 6-0. He looks to move to 7-0. Good fighter, a good prospect. Believe me, keep your eyes on him. And also, we had him on our show previously a few weeks back, Hector Tanahara, 6-0, his record at the moment. Another product of the Robert Garcia Boxing Academy. It's great to see him back out again on a huge, huge bill. And also, another man we've had on our show before, this time from our shores, of course, from the UK, a good friend of mine, actually, Anthony Yard, 7-0. He looks to move to 8-0. It's only a six-rounder at last heavyweight his opponent yet to be announced but along with um, Frank Warren he, he of course brought Liam Beefy Smith um, in the in the main event he's his fighter as well and he brought one of his fighters along and it turned out to be Anthony Yard so it's brilliant for him to be able to go to America showcase his talent over there again I saw that they put him straight on some sort of um, telecast the other day he was in he was involved in like the grand arrivals he came in everybody's getting him to sign gloves taking pictures all these fans he gets in the ring does a bit of pad work with his trainer Tunde Ajay and then they put him on like a telecast with Douglas Fisher and a, a few other um, commentators in the US and he introduced himself to the fans and he looked like he was really enjoying it a lot of people getting to know him over in the US so early on in his career and I think his talent he could really go in some big places so all the best to Anthony Yard and um, I think he's going to pick up another knockout we know he likes to get them done early that's it for that huge card over in the AT&T Stadium. We're now going to go over to um, Sunday now. It's the last fight to mention on the preview part of the show. This fight taking place on Sunday, the 18th of September over in Belarus. Top of the bill, Sergei Kamitsky. A lot of people brand him as the Brit Basher. He's knocked out a few of our prospects over here, including Frank Bullioni. His record, 30 wins and 13 losses with three draws. He's in a six-rounder at super middleweight against Sergei Krapshila, who has a record of four wins, 14 losses and two draws. So Sergei Kamitsky should really get the job done there. But that's really it for the preview, and that's really it for the show. So it's now time to conclude episode 50 of the Box Hard Podcast. It's been 10 shows in a row now with world champions. I hope that you listen to the end. I'd like to thank, of course, the world champion that took part in this week's show, which was the three-time two-weight world champion, Julian the Hawk Jackson, an absolute incredible fighter. So I'd like to thank him very, very much for coming on this week's show. And also for the listeners that listen to this week's show every single week. It's a bit weird because usually we have the part one and then we bring on a guest then part two then we bring on another guest then I end it but this time I've gone straight from the preview straight into the ending so it all feels a bit weird to me but I listen I hope that you're going to come back next week and listen to next week's show I've been your host Joey Coastman you've been excellent until next week take care <laughs>